0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, October 20th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but I promise you certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, where I sometimes tweet a whole bunch of memes, sometimes have a whole bunch of dreams, and weird... Very weird tweets, let me tell you. But if you want exclusively Padres content, go check out at LO underscore Padres for that, where I usually live tweet the games and just kind of have a jolly old good time responding to you folks. And then, of course, YouTube. If you want to see whatever fit I'm rocking, you can check that out at LockedOnPadres. Thank you for listening to today's episode, guys. Free and available on all platforms, as always. And, man, it's it's a happy one. It's a, ha- it's a very happy one. And if you could tell by my shirt, I'm raising my fist to the air Except it's not Hamilton. It's another thing that you might reference that you might understand. But, um, man, good stuff. Good stuff from the Padres. They even up the series against the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to be talking about that, as well as looking forward a little bit to the future and kind of the upcoming games and what have you. Um, you know, and I, I know that there's been a a big discourse lately uh, over these underdog teams that made it and. The Braves and Dodgers, like how could they lose and all this stuff. We're also going to talk about that too. But let's start with yesterday's game. Let's start off right with the nice, juicy, good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. The Padres won by a score of 8-5, to five, and it was not the best day for Blake Snell. He goes five innings, four earned runs on five hits, a walk, and six Ks. But it is very important to note that a lot of the beginning of this game started after, don't get me wrong, he gives up a single to Bryce Harper, which... Okay, whatever. And then he gives up a single to uh, Nick Castellanos. And then Alec Bohm gets a hit. There's a throwing error from uh, Juan Soto. And then he loses the, you probably saw it, loses the ball in the sun. And don't get me wrong, uh, Blake Snell does give up some hits after that, giving up four earned runs. All in this one inning, top of the second. Um It was, you know, he gave up hits to to guys like Edmundo Sosa and Matt Vierling, but even still, the Soto losing the ball in the sun kind of ended up being this sort of uh, catalyst for a Phillies explosion in the first inning, and you had all the Padres fans losing it. Personally, I think Snell actually pitched quite well, considering that he probably could have been razzled a little bit after that Soto mistake. And the thing with Juan Soto is he has not been actually that incredible offensively uh, in the playoffs. And he certainly hasn't been good defensively for a while now, Uh, among one of the worst players in baseball, if you go by outs above average and you really saw it there. I, I tend to think that with Soto, the defense is something that we don't have to worry about right now. We'll worry about it next year because the bat is so good. But it's worth pointing out that this is a weird guy. Like, right, he played in Washington. And I, you know, to steal an opinion from a good friend of mine, Arm Layton, which was saying, you know, is it possible that he's playing in D.C.? He's playing for the Nationals, and he's saying, oh my God, I'm just seeing all these bombs getting hit from all over because their pitching is no good. They've got Patrick Corbett and Eric Feed and all those guys. They're getting lit up and maybe he has a little bit less motivation considering it's such a bad team. So want to like throw himself against the wall and potentially get himself hurt. Totally possible that at some point you just become numb to all the balls that are sailing over your head. So maybe his defensive stats were uh, skewed a bit, you know what I'm saying? But even still, it is still says a lot, right? But as I said, with Fernando Tatis Jr. last year, In 2021, when he had all those throwing errors, people made the Tatis, you know, uh, Tatis error jokes and all that stuff. Tatis 15, that's what they, uh, Tatis 5? E5, whatever the heck the position is. I think that it's weird that Juan Soto went from being in the top percentile of outs above average to literally the bottom. That suggests to me that there is some growth there and that he can get better going forward into the future and what have you. And especially, you know, not necessarily the worst uh, outfield park. He doesn't have to do too much because the Padres have Trent Grisham and they have Jose Azokar potentially off the bench. So it's not like he's going to be asked to do a ton defensively. I think he'll be better next year. But even still, the error was crucial and it starts off a really uh, poor beginning to the game and everybody's panicking and they're saying, all right. Better luck next year. At least we beat the Dodgers. Oh, oh got to slurp the tears. Got to keep doing that. But no, it uh, it does not go that way. In fact, it starts off that way for a little bit. And that's because it was Aaron Nola, who I had said in my crossover with Connor Thomas that I do think is a little bit vulnerable. Strikeout artist, but he does have those flare-up games where you're like, wait, whoa, 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 What? And what is so beautiful about all of this, and again, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It starts off with, first of all, a Hassan Kim single. And then Austin Nola ends up getting a single. And Hassan Kim scores because they call the hit and run, which was great. Then you get a one-soda double to make up for the error and mistake, allowing Nola to score. Then Manny strikes out, but it's all good. And then Cronworth gets hit by a pitch. Drury gets a big single for the team. And then Josh Bell, who actually, after hitting it, I thought it was a pop five, too, and so did he, apparently. Because maybe the sun really was super bright. Because he lost the ball for a second. He was looking up after making contact and said, wait, where'd it go? And then realized that it went down the first baseline. And it ends up being something that allows Cronenworth to score. Five unanswered runs. Seven in total. They get actually... I should have mentioned, by the way. I should have mentioned. My mistake. I skipped a thing. That was five runs in that one inning, but the Padres had seven total unanswered runs in this game, starting in the bottom of the second after that disastrous inning with the Soto error. Home runs from Drury, home run from Josh Bell to make it 4-2. That was great, and that's going to be basically the key for the Padres this series. Um, Can their guys, that middle of the lineup, really kick up? I have a lot of hope that Soto, when it counts, as you saw in yesterday's game, as you saw in the Saturday clincher against the Dodgers... That he's just going to come up big in the big, big moment, but he needs to be better. And they need Brandon Drury, Josh Bell, Hasan Kim, Jake Cronenworth. They need all these guys to be a whole lot better. And hopefully, hopefully, that's what's going to happen now. Because with the exception of Game 1 against the Mets, when Josh Bell hit that home run to start, he's been pretty bad. Weak contact. In Game 1, he had three swinging strikes. That was really rough to watch. Hopefully, he can be a lot better. Um... I'm not supremely confident because I think he would have shown a little bit more by now. I think that he's just kind of this year's Adam Frazier for the Padres, which is really frustrating. And granted, maybe he's always been this guy who stumbles in the second half. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But even still, it's frustrating because Josh Bell has been very, very good before. He's had a home run. uh, I think it was a 39 home run season, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to try and pull it up right now. A 39 home run season uh, for... The Washington Nationals, let me say 39, 39, 39, no, 37, my mistake, and he had a 27 home run season, so that's the difference. Frazier, when they traded for him, it was like, this guy has literally never been this good before. Um, And then the Padres ended up winning the game, though, so middle of the lineup, that's the big thing, right? Reese Hoskins, it is worth mentioning, takes Robert Suarez deep on the first pitch in the top of the eighth inning. Obviously, the big cushion that the Padres had wasn't a big panic, but damn, Man, these Phillies, when they're on, that offense is horrifying. Horrifying. It is really scary to watch. Um, And Hoskins is the king of streakiness. So hopefully he doesn't. uh, Hopefully he got all of his offense out of his system in this one game yesterday. That would be great. And then Harper, too, although unlikely. Um, And then Josh Hader comes in for the three strikeout save on Boehm, Segura, and Verling. Yeah, I've been wrong about Hader. I was I was dead wrong. Um, we'll see if something if this is the case of a guy who will fall apart next year, but it doesn't matter because right now he's been excellent. And even if he does fall apart next year, it looks like the trade, at least for now, considering the Padres were going for it this year, has seemed to work out. I mean, he's been excellent. Three strikeouts there. They couldn't hit him. He looks great. He looks great. He's throwing the ball more in the zone, and that's what I love to see because a big thing with him when he was blowing up was a lot of walks, not getting anybody to chase, I don't know what happened. Again, I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. And people who are smart enough didn't really know what happened either. Uh, My best thing to chalk it up to, said it on last show, that it was similar to Rollis Chapman last year, just had a month from hell, forgot how to pitch, and then cooled off the next month. That's the only thing I could compare it to. Hopefully, again, he doesn't follow in the footsteps of Chapman in the other regards of how his career has kind of um, panned out. But that's enough of that game. Ladies and gentlemen, that's enough. That's enough. And it was a good game. It was a great game. Great bounce back win for the Padres. But before we talk about some other stuff, potentially the negatives, potentially just a little bit, I want to talk to you real quickly about something, ladies and gentlemen. And that's Roan. That's right, Roan. Remember when we, you know, here's the thing. Maybe it's because, you know, I I grew up in a, a private school and I just hate wearing any dress shirts and whatnot. And I just hate planning for them, right? Like, it's never been my thing to, like, look good necessarily, right? That, not, not necessarily. I mean, you guys can tell, right? I mean, I mean, look even look at my pants. You know what I mean? I don't know if the camera can see it right now. I mean, I'm, I'm ridiculous out here. But what I do like is things that are comfortable and things that just, you know, make it easy for me to change around and whatnot whenever I have some thing that I have to be dressed up for. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Roan. Roan has you covered. That's right. They give you dress shirts that were designed for radical reinventionness, man. Uh, they stepped up to the challenge. It's really great stuff. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man and womankind. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, here's why mobility is everything. That's the big thing for me about Roan. Uh, comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility. <laughs> that leaves you free uh, free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to, you know, your tennis match, your 18 hours of golf. Maybe not 18 hours. 18 holes, I believe, is what happens in golf. Imagine if it was 18 hours. That'd be nuts. But anyway, um, and also it helps you look good if that's a big thing you care about. Wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. And with Roan's wrinkle-release technology, check this out, its uh, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. They'd even make it easy for you. I am a lazy man. I like easy. I really do. It's great. So let me tell you guys, because you're listening to this podcast, I have an offer for you. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan. R H O N E dot com slash locked on and use the code locked on uh, to get your 20%. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Really good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Probably not your first listen. Maybe it'll be your first listen at some point. Maybe tomorrow, you know, a little bit of a delayed upload today. What can I say? I was tired yesterday and it was just, I just didn't have the chance because of work let's talk about game one though I want to talk about game one really quickly because I think that one of the things that I and this has been a big constant thing for me and in, in my sports viewing life is I don't like to get mad at my favorite team or the team I'm covering or rooting for whatever when they don't do well against someone who is established as being an incredible player and I think that that's what happened in game one and that's Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got a zero ERA. He's been great. I know that Atlanta hit him up a little bit for three runs in the previous series, but for the most part, Zach Wheeler is an ace. I mean, he was a Cy Young contender last year. If he didn't have some of the health issues and whatnot for this year, probably was going to be a contender for in 2022 as well. Zach Wheeler is really good, and he absolutely carved up the Padres, only allowing one hit, no runs, a walk, and eight Ks. He was phenomenal. And don't get me wrong. It's not the way you want to start. Um, for the Padres, right? It's your first NLCS since 98. You got all the fans, they're losing their mind. Like they're all losing it and you kind of put up a donut. And that's unfortunate. They lose the game 2-0. But again, this is a point of mine I've made for a, a long time. That sometimes the other team can be better. It's okay. It's okay to admit that maybe something isn't always in your control, right? I say this with New York teams a lot. New York media absolutely loses it when their teams don't do something because it's like... No one else can be great. It's just, we stink. That's the only reason someone, or we stunk. That's the only reason someone can win. Greatest example ever is when the New York Giants played the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs one year, and they went to Lambeau to face Aaron Rodgers, and they lost. And the media in New York, apps as someone who lives in the New Jersey, greater metropolitan area, absolutely lost it because Odo Beckham was on vacation the day before. He went out on, like, a cruise boat thing. And because he apparently is supposed to be like Monkey D. Luffy and stretch his arm super high up into the air to catch some of the passes. But they absolutely lost it. I'm like, bro, this is like peak, like, prime Rodgers in Lambo. Like, why are you absolutely livid that they lost? It was ridiculous, right? So back to baseball, that's kind of how I felt about this game. Uh, Wheeler was awesome. He was on. The thing I will say that is fair to complain about with the Padres is, They had really poor at-bats, at least a good portion of poor at-bats. For Zach Wheeler, he got seven, six or seven, I believe, first pitch outs. That's like, the Padres were really pressing, and maybe it's because they were panicking and they wanted to jump on him early or something like that. I don't know, but the game plan wasn't right, clearly, for attacking Zach Wheeler, and the team is going to have to plan ahead for when they potentially face him again uh, since he was their first starter. Um, Maybe at a game five or whatever, game six, seven, whatever the the matchup is, however it shakes out. They have to come up with a better game plan because that was really frustrating. I couldn't understand the swinging strikes. I get it. He was on. Like, he really was on. He was throwing some wicked, wicked stuff. And he got a lot of strikeouts. Eight, in fact. But for you to have all of these first pitch outs and also had some first pitch outs against Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado, don't get me wrong. Those guys are good, too. That was what was more frustrating. Not that Wheeler was good, but more, come on, man, why swing on the first pitch? Same thing for Soto, those grounders by the first base side. Got to do better than that. That's my thing. So I hope that the Padres will take what happened in game one. Melvin and company will say, all right, here's how we're going to attack him. Here's the strategy. We'll, you know, The things that we don't know about that managers and pitching coaches and batting coaches you know, work on behind the scenes. What's the strategy heading into Zach Wheeler? Because they clearly couldn't hit him. They certainly hit Aranola. I mean, they, they beat him to a pulp. His brother, brotherly love, let me tell you. The city of brotherly love literally got brotherly love uh, happened to them. I've said brotherly love too many times in a row. Mm-mm, don't like that. But I do like how they hit up Aranola. And then Wheeler, you know, and in this game as well, it is worth mentioning. I forgot to also bring this up. you Darvish was awesome. Like, awesome in this game. He got 7Ks, only a walk. ERA, he was great. I mean, he's been great in the postseason so far. Um, And the only two hits he gave up were these moon, moon moonshot home runs. One of them being from Kyle Schwarber that went an estimated 488 feet, if I'm not mistaken, when I saw that. That's pretty nuts. And then top of the fourth inning, a home run from Bryce Harper. And again, I think that it has to at least play a little bit. We don't know the exact statistical correlation. We never will, but you Darvish going out there seeing his team get these first pitch outs on Zach Wheeler. Maybe he kind of launched lofted one in there to Harper and he took him deep and same thing for Kyle Schwarber. But for the most part, it was the Phillies lineup could not really hit Darvish. I mean, they only got three hits. So Darvish was excellent and he has been excellent um, in the postseason. And he, I think he's just one of the most trustworthy starters in the game right now. I think it's fair to say that honestly, um, just in terms of what he's been doing with control and whatnot. Yeah, whatever. He gave up three against the Dodgers, but only gave up one. It's just, I don't remember the last time Darvish has given up more than three runs. And that says a lot. And having that consistency for a team like the Padres, which isn't one that's going to bombard you with offense, but instead it's just going to be like, all right, get four runs and we have a chance. That's all we need, right? Darvish has been excellent. So I don't want to hear it about Darvish. He was I mean, he was really, really good with just two mistakes, especially the pitch to um, to Schwarber uh, Harper on two strike pitch. I mean, Bryce Harper is really good, but the Schwarber one, that was like a little he threw a donut in there. You know, he threw a donut in there and Schwarber teed off on him. But it's all good, ladies and gentlemen. It's all good. It's all good. Now, let's kind of uh, wind things down a little bit. We're going to talk about the next game just a little bit briefly. And then we're gonna talk about the Dodgers' discourse a little bit, and that is the whole playoff format thing. Let's start with the game though. On so, hold on, so on Friday, <laughs> on Friday the Padres are play the Phillies um, at seven thirty-seven my time, which is lovely. They're playing in Philadelphia, which is what made their win so so key, right? Um, they, they need to win. You don't want to go into Philly, which is going to be a madhouse. Uh, someone actually joked on Twitter that it was like Padres Twitter right now is like, hey, go Padres, drinking an IPA. And if you're really attached to Padres Twitter, also probably didn't, the meme didn't talk about this, but also a lot of horny stuff because Padres Twitter is extremely horny right now, let me tell you. Uh, but those three things. And then for uh, Philly Twitter. Let me see if I can find it really, really quickly. It was really funny. They were like, Philly's Twitter, mentally calculating whether they'd make bail in time for the Eagles game if they got arrested for throwing a 9-volt battery at Jerickson Profar on Saturday night. Philly Twitter is absolutely insane. Um, and it's one of the reasons I want to beat them so badly because I cannot stand Philadelphia fans. Because if I walked in there with a... Uh, not, not even Houston Rockets. If I walked in there with a Sacramento Kings jersey... I might get killed. I would get bombarded. They hate everybody. They absolutely hate everybody, which is why um, my mom actually loves making fun of the city of brotherly love moniker, a uh, slogan, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she loves it because she has not had good experiences in Philly and does not like the Philly fans either. So, you know, it's going to be a tough environment, all to say, um, tough environment to play in, but the Padres have won on the road before as have many teams as it's been chronicled by uh you know, um, talking heads everywhere that, you know, it's the home field advantage is is a weird thing. It's something that we're kind of losing grasp. We're kind of maybe overestimating the home field advantage a little bit. It certainly matters, but does it matter to the point where, you know, it justifies, you know, going all out maybe in the regular season in order to win your division and what have you, right? Like we don't totally know that, but um, in the matchup, it's going to be Joe Musgrove versus Ranger Suarez. And for me, do not sleep on Ranger Suarez. Yes, I'm just itching my feet right now. That's why I took off my slipper. Um, Ranger Suarez, pretty good pitcher. He started off the year pretty disastrously, Ranger Suarez. And to be honest with you, I forgot he was on the Phillies heading into this season. I, I had no idea like who he was. I don't know what it was. I was just like, am I having like some weird mental... Thing like did I think that there was a different pitcher on the Phillies? I I don't know, but they've got Ranger Suarez going and he's been pretty solid in the postseason so far. But Musgrove I feel amazing about 1.38 ERA so far in the postseason. He's got 13 Ks to four walks. Obviously, everyone loves talking about the whole ear thing and the BS that New York media was trying to throw out there with him potentially cheating. That was absurd, but he's been money. He's been money, and even in a game that they. You know, the last game that he had um, against the Dodgers when he gave up two earned runs was still pretty damn good. He worked through some stuff, did get a little bit, you know, some favorable calls of the strike zone. But I would be, I trust Joe Musgrove, but, but Philly's lineup is, is scary because I think with a guy who throws as much, much off speed, sinker, slider, all this, all these different combos relies more on movement than overpowering you and, you know, getting maximum strikeouts does worry me worry me a little bit, especially in Philly, Joe Musgrove starting. Again, I think we're in the playoffs. I think that we have to just, that's why I'm not analyzing this in the most in-depth way in the world, but that's just how I feel. I think that I'm a little bit worried about Musgrove for that reason. I feel like this is actually kind of a rough matchup for him. I think guys like Schwarber, I think guys like JTO Muto may prove a tough at-bat for him. Obviously Harper, but... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting if Musgrove can really just be on, if the spin can be on for his fastball, the same way it was on when he was pitching against the Mets and they started crying about it, right? So, oh, crying, that reminds me. Mm. It's just, it's amazing how much the tears just refresh you every time, you know? Um, But Ranger Suarez, on the other side of the thing, I could see the Padres teeing off against him too. I don't believe in no big game Ranger Suarez. The one I'm terrified of is Wheeler. And I'm more terrified of their bullpen than those other two starters, Nola and Ranger Suarez. That's the scary part about the Phillies. Their bullpen might have just caught fire, right? Brad Hand, I want to get revenge on him. I remember when you gave up that donut home run to CJ Krohn, was it? I think it was CJ Krohn. When you gave up that walk-off home run to the Rockies last year. I'm still mad about that. I don't know why. He just wasn't very good for the Padres. It kind of drove me insane. I don't know why. Nothing ate against him, but... You know, him, Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, they're pitching really well right now. So that scares me. If they all of a sudden, not... Mm, that's a, that's an unfair way to put it. But if they just are catching fire, everyone talks about whether or not the offense catches fire at the right time. If this bullpen is catching fire at the right time, which it has, that has me infinitely more terrified than facing off against Ranger Suarez or Aaron Nola, Or Noah Syndergaard, whoever the he- heck else they have on this team. So... That's what's going to happen on Friday. I'm excited. Um, It's going to be a blast. What can I say? Uh, Playoffs, man. But remember, it's going to be a long series. It wouldn't surprise me if this one goes to seven. Oh, man. And it's, I don't know about you guys, but ever since this Dodgers series, I'm just like, I'm really happy with the win, right? And I'm so happy about the Dodgers upset that it's almost kind of made me forget that if the Padres win this series, they're in the World Series. You know, like, I I don't know about you. Please leave a comment if you feel the same. I kind of keep forgetting that this is for going to the World Series. Like, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me because the last round felt like the World Series. It felt like, all right, can't get any better than this, right? But obviously it can. So we'll see how that all transpires. Want to end the show today by talking a little bit about the playoff discourse. And I'm a little bit confused by it. I understand the whole complaint that if it's you sneak one game, right, as the away team, that all of a sudden it's like, whoa, now you get two at your place and it's 1-1. I get that, and I think it's fair, right? I think that the wild card round, I think everyone has agreed, was awesome. I like the I thought it was totally fair that the Mets had the higher seed and they got three straight home games. Still kicked their butts obviously. But I, I do think that that was fair. And I understand the critique that's like, hey, maybe we should do, I don't know, change it up a little bit. Maybe we make it uh, three games for the home team and then one for the away or three and then two, right? Something like that. I, I could understand that a little bit for the playoff format. But at the same time, it's like, well, guys, this is how baseball's always been. I don't like that people are starting to bring this up now. I did not see people bringing this up when Atlanta won last year. Did not at all. Not at all. I did not see anyone bringing up how, why is this playoff format like this? This is unfair that they dominate the regular season, the Dodgers, and then they lose in the postseason. Right? Like, I didn't see anybody bringing this up. I didn't see anybody bringing it up when it was the Nationals that won. Only when it's the damn Padres, because what are the Padres doing here? You know? I saw this mentioned on Bill Simmons' podcast, who, for the record, he said he's rooting for the Padres, but he didn't like that the Braves are going home and that the Dodgers, after being so dominant, just all of a sudden are going home. My response to that is play better. You know what I mean? Like, play better. I I don't like making excuses for a 111-win team. And by the way, if you're so good, then freaking win in San Diego. That's all you have to do. Win a game in San Diego. How about your offense doesn't go to sleep, right? How about you don't implode in one inning? Let's stop acting like the Dodgers aren't more known for postseason failure than they are uh, postseason success. That's what they're known for. And with the exception of 2020, which I count, it just says a lot that that's the only time they've managed to put it together. I don't know if that's Dave Roberts. I don't know if that's some coaching thing that for some reason they just don't game plan well for playoffs and big games like that. But it's true. It's a fact. They can't play in the big games. That's just who, who they are right now. Don't get me wrong. Elite organization. Incredible stuff. But when it comes to preparing that talent for the postseason, aren't ready for it. And, yeah, cool. You swept the Padres in 2020. I know that's what the Dodgers fans are thinking. They didn't have Clevenger or Lament, So congrats on that. And, yes, those guys were really good at the time. So everybody shush. Um, <laughs> but I, So that's my kind of vibe about it. That's my feeling on it. I don't like the timing of this discourse being brought up. I think it's dumb. And I think that if the Dodgers are so good, they should for once not blow it in the postseason, right? Maybe the Padres just played well, and that's what we should accept. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's patently absurd to start blaming the playoff format on the Dodgers losing yet again. Um, and I forgot the other point I was going to make. I'm blanking right now, but maybe it'll come back to me. Um, man, just postseason baseball is nuts. You know? All of a sudden, you're staring in space during a, a, a podcast that you're recording and you forget your points. That's how that's how wild postseason baseball is. Um, so yeah, I, I will give credit to people who haven't been taking the, the easy route of saying, wow, this is awful and blah, 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 blah. You know, you win 111 games. And by the way, we're ignoring that you have like the week off. You have a series off. You have those first two games and a bye. You're totally refreshed. Now, we could argue the whole, if you're just kind of playing and you're in the motions, right? Some people will argue, I know football, this became a discourse, whether or not you should rest all your players, because you just kind of like to have that familiarity of just having just recently played in a game so you can keep the momentum going. That's totally possible. This psychological stuff is all theoretical, as far as I'm concerned. So, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, man. I think that this is absurd. I, I really do. I think it's people trying to downplay the Padres winning. Play better, LA. That's all I have to say. Or don't. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of you not playing well. I really am. So, keep keep doing what you always do. Keep doing what you always do. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, as I was kind of uh, inserting a lot of fluff at the end of my little diatribe there in an effort to remember what my point was, I can't remember. So, we're probably just going to end today's episode with that, ladies and gentlemen. The Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Lockdown Padres, trying to get the subscriber numbers up. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J A V I I P E N O, and at L O underscore Padres. Tomorrow's episode, probably going to be a chat with my good old buddy Paul Francis Sullivan. Remember to call him Sully. He's very big on that. So call him slowly. He's probably going to be on tomorrow. That should be fun. Talk about a little bit more historical perspective, um, and just how this run has been for the Padres, and how you know, coincidentally maybe, ever since I started covering the team two years ago in 2020, they all of a sudden became the bees knees. We might bring that up, not a guarantee, but I'm just throwing it out there. You know. Anyways. Without further ado, everybody, as always, stay safe and of course stay faithful My Fire Faithful come on, come on, come on.